if you have your Bible, why don't you turn with me to Romans chapter 15, and maybe you could uh, um, hold your finger there, and then go to Genesis chapter 37, or hold your finger in Genesis 37, and go back to Romans chapter 15. This morning, we're going to just begin our sermon series on the life of Joseph. Um, The life of Joseph is a remarkable story. The story of a man who went from the worst of times to the best of times. Uh, Although he experienced much adversity, uh, went through a lot of tribulation, he ended up on top. And so, you know, this is a great story. In Romans chapter 15 and verse 4, it says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. Now, according to this verse in Romans, everything that was written in the past or before time, which, speaking of the Old Testament Scriptures, was written for for three reasons. Number one, to teach us. Number two, to encourage us. And number three, to give us hope. And God gave us the Old Testament Scriptures to do those three things. And the life of Joseph is, uh, is such a story that as you study it and as you look at it, it's a story that will, will teach you how to live a favored and blessed life. It will encourage you through the difficulties and, and the tribulations and setbacks of life. And it'll fill you with hope for a brighter day, regardless of what you're going through. Amen? You know, the life of Joseph can be separated or segmented into three different, uh, three different times. The first segment of Joseph's life uh, begins in Genesis 30, 24. It goes to 37.2, and it covers his birth to 17 years of age. And then the second segment, Genesis 37.2 to Genesis 41.46, is the second segment, which is 17 to 30 years of age. And then finally, the last segment, from 30 years of age till his death, Genesis 41 to 50, verse 26. So really, you can read the life of Joseph by reading Genesis chapter 30 to chapter 50, and you can get a full uh, story of the life of Joseph. The focus of this series will be on the last two segments of his life, uh, which begins at 17 years of age. You remember when this young Hebrew boy has this dream. Him and his brothers are out binding sheaves, and his sheaves stood up, and his brother's sheaves bowed down to him. Then he had another dream, the sun and the moon and 11 stars bowed down to him. And he shared this dream with his family. And his family, uh, you know, don't receive it very well. And you remember uh, his brothers um, threw him in a pit, sold him into slavery, ended up as a slave in Potiphar's house, uh, was was, uh, falsely accused by Potiphar's wife, was thrown into prison. And years went by, and he was finally delivered from prison, and he ended up in an elevated position, the second man in charge over the the empire of Potiphar. It's a great story. It's a beautiful picture, an example of how to live the Christian life as you study the life of Joseph. If you study his life and notice what he goes through, you'll notice how God blesses him 
And he experiences the favor and blessing of God, not because his life was so great, but because he lived the principles and the, and the lessons that God taught him in his journey with the Lord. Amen? And so the life of Joseph is filled with key principles, life lessons, that as you study it, if you follow those principles, you too can experience a life that goes from the pit to the palace. Amen? How many of you know that the Bible was given to us not for information, but for inspiration? Amen? To encourage us, to strengthen us, so that when we go through life's pits and prisons, we can have hope in the midst of our circumstances. Amen? So the first principle that we're going to look at in a life lesson that can dramatically change the trajectory of your life and my life is receiving a God-inspired dream for your life. It's no coincidence that this, the story records this experience. Genesis 37, verse 5. Then Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers. They hated him even more. He said to him, please listen to this dream which I have had. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheep rose up, and also stood erect, and behold, your sheaves gathering around, and bowed down to my sheep. Then his brother said to him, are you actually going to reign over us? Or are you really going to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Now he had still another dream and related it to his brothers and said, Lo, I have had a dream, a still another dream. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars were bowing down to me. He related it to his father and to his brothers. And his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have had? Shall I and your mother and your brothers actually come to bow ourselves down before you to the ground? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. Now, we can read the story and say Joseph probably should have kept that dream to himself, right? Maybe he was a little arrogant. Guess what God showed me, man? Let me tell you, you're going to be bowing down to me. And they, were, they weren't too real. They weren't real impressed with that. And the Bible says they hated him even more. And so, you know, the fact that this dream, it's interesting to know that the message and the interpretation of Joseph's dream was that Joseph would be elevated to a, a position of leadership and authority over his family. Now, this was contrary to what was supposed to happen in Joseph's life because Joseph was number 11 of 12. Um, he wasn't, he wasn't, guaranteed a leadership position. In fact, it was a far cry from it because in biblical times, birth order determined the level of leadership position you had in the family. And him being at the bottom of the pecking order, it was very unlikely he would ever have a leadership position. But for the first time through this dream that Joseph received, hope began to fill his heart. The hope of being raised up to a place of position, a a place of leadership and a place of success. Joseph was given the hope of overcoming his natural circumstances through this divine dream that God gave him. And that's the power of a God-inspired dream. A God-inspired dream fills you with hope. A God-inspired dream 
helps you to overcome the mental, the spiritual, and the natural circumstances and barriers that are in your life. A God-inspired dream will empower you or infuse you with faith so that you can realize your dreams. Let me just stop to say, God inspires people's hearts with God-inspired dreams. Amen? What is a God-inspired dream? Well, a God-inspired dream, I believe, is having a mental or spiritual picture of where God wants you to go and what God wants you to do. And that's what this dream was all about in Joseph's life. God was showing him where he wanted him to go, right? And so a God-inspired dream is receiving a picture in your spirit, a picture in your mind, in your heart, of God's best for your life. We need a God-inspired dream in our life. Amen? And so through this dream, Joseph was given this mental picture of where God wanted him to go and what God wanted him to do. You remember when Abraham, God called Abraham and God called him aside in Genesis 15 and 1. And he encourages him that he was going to be a great nation. In verse 1, sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Don't be afraid, Abram. I will protect you and your reward will be great. But Abraham replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children... Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Now, the sky and the stars became the canvas that God used to give Abraham a God-inspired dream. He calls him outside, and he says, look at the sky, look at the stars. And he says, can you count them? Abram, this is going to be your heirs. This is how many children you're going to have. And so God used the canvas of the sky and the stars to paint this picture in Abraham's spirit and in his heart to say, Abram, this is where you are right now, but this is where I want to take you. And so the life application is we all need a God-inspired dream. We need a mental and spiritual picture of where God wants us to go and what God wants us to do. And by the way, God is not standing still. He's moving. And he wants to move in your life. And he's not done with you. He's got something else for you down the road. Amen? And so we need to get a vision of that. Why? Because God-inspired dreams will fill you with hope. God-inspired dreams will cause you to overcome your mental, spiritual, and your natural circumstances. Amen? And your God-inspired dream will help you to be infused with faith so you can believe for what God has. He's got a better day for you. Can I get a better amen? So how did Joseph go from the pit to the palace? How did he survive those dark times? How did he he get through the difficulties of rejection and slavery and imprisonment? I believe he got through it because it all started with a God-given dream that God gave him. How many of you know, whenever you get a dream of something, 
Whenever you get a vision of something down in the canvas of your heart and your spirit, it has a way of empowering you and strengthening you beyond your natural circumstances to take you to a place where you've never been before. Amen? And I believe God is wanting to take you where you've never been before. So how does one receive a God-inspired dream? How does that happen? Well, number one, there's three ways. There's more ways, but I'm going to give you three. There's three ways you can receive a God-inspired dream. Number one, a God-inspired dream comes from the influence of the Holy Spirit. How many of you know the Holy Spirit writes on the hearts and the spirits of people? He will write on your spirit. In Old Testament times, God spoke through angels, through through uh, prophets, through visions, through dreams. But primarily today, God speaks through the Holy Spirit. Amen? And, you know, in Acts 2.17, it says, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Dreams is the language of the spirit. Mental and spiritual pictures come primarily through the power of the Holy Spirit on your spirit. Amen? The Spirit of God will draw pictures in your mind and in your heart and in the eye of your spirit that you have not yet experienced or seen, but God gives you a picture to show you where He's wanting you to go so you don't stay where you are. Come on, are you hearing me this morning? God wants to write on your spirit a dream that you've never dreamed before. Amen. And so listen, the Holy Spirit is the revealer of God's plans. The Holy Spirit opens up God's destiny for you, God's will for you, God's agenda for you. Listen, you don't have to live a life of mediocrity. You can live a life that's blessed and favored of God. Amen. How does it begin? It all begins when the Holy Spirit begins to awaken you from your spiritual slumber and puts a picture in your heart and your spirit in your mind that you've never seen before, a picture of where you can go. That's why we can't settle for religion. we got to work for relationship because the Spirit works in relationship, in intimacy with God. There are thousands of people that identify themselves as Christians that go to church that have no connection and no relationship with the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you the Holy Spirit is the CEO of the church? Can I tell you that the Holy Spirit is the one that fulfills God's agenda on the earth? Come on, help me preach this morning. We got to embrace the Holy Spirit if we're going to get the God Design inspired dream. Amen. Secondly, God inspires dreams as the power of a rhema word of God comes in your life. Not just a word, a rhema word. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is alive and it's powerful. You know, in the natural it doesn't seem like this is alive, but this is alive. You got to look at it through spiritual eyes, but this Bible I hold in my hand, it's alive. And it'll change a life. It'll change a world. Amen. It's powerful. The word of God is alive and it's powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword and it cuts between the soul and the spirit, the joint and the marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts, and desires. How many of you know the Bible says 
that God will give you the desires of your heart. He will put desires in you that are right desires, not wrong desires. He'll put desires in your heart that are righteous desires, not wicked desires. He'll take the wrong desires out and put good desires in your life that'll serve him and bring glory and honor to his name. God wants to write on the, on the canvas of your spirit. And he wants to inspire you with a fresh vision and a fresh dream for your life. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, there are two Greek definitions for the word of God, logos and rhema. Logos is the written word of God, the word written on pages. And then there's rhema, which is the revealed word of God. A rhema word is a specific word to a specific person in a specific situation. That's a rhema word. Come on. When you're going through the pit, when you are in prison, it's not so much important what God says to somebody else. You need to know what God's saying to you. Come on. You need a word personally, specifically, that deals with your situation and your circumstance. And that's the way God works. God will give you a rhema word, a specific word that deals with your situation. God-inspired dreams comes when God speaks to your heart and reveals his word and says, this is my promise, this is my agenda, this is my desire for you in your circumstance and your situation. You know, whenever I think about this, I know there are other times. Whenever I was, whenever I was struggling with, with, do I still work in the oil field? Do I go into ministry? And I didn't know. And God speaks to my heart. I'm reading the Bible and I'm thinking, I haven't been to seminary. I haven't, you know, I, I, you know, I'm, I was kind of like Moses. You know, I, I, I'm a Cajun. I say tick instead of thick. And you know, I mean, you know, but you know, God gave me his word in Samuel 16, 7. God, man looks at the out, man looks at the outward, but God looks at the heart. All he needs is a heart to use. And faith rose up. A vision, a dream began to build in my mind and my heart. How does somebody working in the oil field on the rigs goes to the ministry? A divine inspired dream from God. Amen. When the doctor said, you can't have any children. We're saddled with that report. And I was praying one day in my living room and saw the scripture up on the entertainment center. Matthew 19, 26. With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. The word of God began to draw a picture. My natural circumstances gave me a blank sheet. But the rain of word of God began to draw a picture for me. And God's word will draw a picture for you. If you got a blank sheet, God will begin to draw on that blank canvas and give you a dream for your life. You don't have to live in the pit. You don't have to live in slavery. You can go to the palace because God's the God of the miraculous. Come on, y'all help me preach this morning. Isn't that true? A rhema word of God will give you a God-inspired vision. A God-inspired vision number three comes from the voice of God. You know, we live in a day and an age to say that God spoke to me. Even Christians look at you with this look like, you got to be kidding me. 
Well, listen, I'm not kidding you. God speaks. You can hear his voice. But it doesn't come by going to church. It comes by walking in intimacy and with relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And the voice of the stranger, they will not follow. Come on. The voice of God is speaking on the earth today. He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Come on. Are y'all with me today? And God is speaking, and he's one to speak to hearts in the church and give them a divine-inspired dream for their life. The Bible says that Peter, whole life changed. The whole trajectory of his life changed when the voice of the Lord came to him. It's a real short story. I want to read it to you. Acts chapter 10, verse 9. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. And he became hungry, and he wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. Now, I take that to mean he was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, like John said in Revelation 1. And he saw heaven open, and something like a Lord's sheet began to let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheep was taken back to heaven. Now, the voice of the Lord came to Peter. Peter didn't believe that the Gentiles deserved the gospel and salvation. He thought it was a waste of time to minister to those unclean people. But God wanted to change his perspective. He wanted to give him a different vision than the vision that Peter had before. And so he gives them this picture of the sheep dropping down these animals, and he says, come on, eat some of the animals. I ain't eating that. Hey, don't call unclean what I've called clean. And he later interprets it, and he understands In verse 28, he said to them, You are all well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. So the voice of God changed the trajectory, the purpose of his life. He went from not caring about the Gentiles to going to him and saying, this is the word of the Lord. And the Gentile world began to be saved. Thank God, because we part of the Gentile world. Amen. Aren't you glad he heard the voice of the Lord? Listen, there are people that think some people are unclean until they get saved. And then their prejudice go out the window. Come on, are y'all hearing me? Because God gives them a different picture than the picture they had before. And so you quit calling unclean that which I'm calling clean. And God wants to change our life, and he does it through the voice of his spirit. Three ways. God writes a God-inspired vision on the canvas of our spirit and our heart. Number one, through the influence of the Holy Spirit. Number two, number two through the power of the rhema, the spoken, revealed, specific word of God. Number three, to the voice of the Lord. I believe in this room today, God is wanting to say 
you have settled for mediocrity and I have a greater vision for you. I want you to begin to look into the heavens and begin to imagine what I have prepared for you. Don't settle for the prison. Don't settle for the pit. Dream. Imagine what I can do in your life because I am not a standstill God. I'm a progressive God. I will never stand still in your life. I have greater things for you and I want you to believe me, have faith that I can do a greater work than you've ever seen in your life. Come on. Can you receive that this morning? Amen. I believe the Lord wants to encourage us here this morning. Some of you have had dreams. God has given you dream for your life. He's given you pictures of what desires, that things that, that, that you were desiring to be fulfilled in your life. And those dreams got dashed through circumstances. And God is wanting to renew that vision. Maybe you've lost your dream. But God is a God of fresh dreams. Amen? He can rekindle. You say, you know, I had a vision of this great family. But Todd, that vision got dashed. That vision got trampled. Well, listen, can I encourage you today? Joel 2.25, I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten. I will restore. God is a God of restoration. When you've had a dream and all your dreams have been dashed, I tell you, God can redraw a vision. He can redraw a dream. Come on, I'm trying to encourage you this morning. That God wants to do a great work in your life. And don't settle for discouragement. Don't settle for the pit. Dream for the palace. Come on, dream for the palace. Dream for the promotion. Dream for the success. Dream for the elevation. Dream for the more that God has for you. Amen. Some of you are experiencing holy discontent in your life. What I mean by that is, You know God's got more for you. You've been serving God for a while, but somewhere along the way, you just got got on cruise control. And God is wanting to stir you today and say, come on, you got one life to live. It's no time to get on cruise control. Come on, put it in gear. Come on, put it in spiritual gear. Come on, let's go somewhere. I got a purpose for your life. I got a dream for your life. But Lord, I've dreamed of what I could do for you. I've had visions of what I could do for you. But those have not happened. Don't quit dreaming. Don't quit having visions for your life and for what God wants to do in your life. Rekindle the vision. Let God write on the tablet of your spirit. He's got great things in store for you. Come on. God wants to give you a fresh dream. Some of you get a holy discontent. And you're ready for something fresh. Come on, are you all with me? Anybody feeling that? Come on, listen, some of you, you've, you've gotten a blow. You've gotten kicked in the ribs. You've got punched in the gut spiritually. And you've lost your spiritual air. And God wants to breathe fresh air into you. Like the valley of dry bones. Can these bones live? Can these bones live? Yes, Lord. These bones can live. Then prophesy to them. Can I prophesy to you? God wants to use you. God wants to use you in his kingdom for his glory. His church is the answer to the world. He doesn't have a plan B. He's got one plan. You work where you work because God's got a purpose there. You live where you live because God's got a plan there. You're in the kingdom for such a time as this. God's got a plan and a purpose for your life. 
Wake up and dream dreams and believe God for great things for your life. Amen. Are y'all with me? Would you stand with me? Come on, let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit to write on our heart. Come on, let's ask the Holy Spirit to just begin to awaken fresh dreams. Come on, I just sense right now that God is wanting to break discouragement. He's wanting to break disillusionment. He's wanting to break the power of darkness off your life. Come on, how did Joseph get through the pit? How did he get through the, the imprisonment? He had a dream. He had a dream that God had given him. How are you going to get through your pit? How are you going to get through your imprisonment? The dream of God. The dream of God. God's got a dream for your life. I have a plan for you, says the Lord. Behold, I have a plan for you, declares the Lord. It's a plan for welfare, not calamity. To give you a future and a hope. That's you, servant of God. That's you, woman of God. I hear, I hear somebody, I hear the voice of the enemy whispering, say, no, it's over for you, it's done. And the voice of God says, no, it's not. No, it's not. As long as you have breath, there is the possibility of a greater work in your life. Come on, receive it today. Receive the fresh dream from God. God saved you. He redeemed you. He filled you. He appointed you in the kingdom of God. Because He's got a great work for you to do. You are His workmanship. The Bible says, call unto me. And I will answer you. And I will tell you great and mighty things. Which you do not know. Call to me and I will, I will answer you. Call to me and I will answer you. And what will I do? I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Come on, we don't know everything, but he knows everything. Come on, let's call to him right now. Father in heaven, we call to you. God, the revealer. The revealer of the will of God. The revealer of the kingdom of God. Father, we call to you and we ask you, Lord, to show us. Lord, write on our hearts today. Inspire our heart with your vision and your dream, Lord, for our life. Lord, awaken in us that which has died. I pray, Lord, like the valley of dry bones, I pray, breathe unto the dry dreams, Lord. Breathe into the dashed hopes, Lord. Breathe into the, to the empty lives, Lord, and cause them to be resurrected through the power of your word and your spirit today, I pray, in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, for working in people's hearts today. Come on, you receive that today? Just begin to thank God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for rekindling. Thank you for awakening. Come on, just begin to thank Him. Thank you for touching me. Come on, the Spirit of God is here. The Spirit of God is here. The anointing of God is here. The grace of God is here. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Wake up, wake up, wake up, thou that sleepeth. Wake up, wake up, dream dreams. Have visions. Come on, wake up. Oh, come on. Come on. Come on. Don't give up. Don't settle. Don't settle. Don't settle for the pit. Come on. You're coming out. You're coming out. He bought you out of slavery. Come on. You're coming out of that pit in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord.
Praise you, Father. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Now, some of you have never had a God-inspired dream. You've been in the pit most of your life. You've never heard about this kind of thing. But the Lord wants to begin drawing on the tablet of your heart. The Bible says in John 3, 3, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. It all begins with salvation, with surrendering your life to Jesus. Then he opens your spiritual eyes. Then you begin to see in the spirit. And you begin to have knowledge of the spirit realm. And you can see things that the world can't see. And I believe there's some here today that have been in the pit and God is saying, I'm ready to take you out. And I'm calling you out of the pit if you will just surrender your heart and your life to me. If you're here today and you say, Todd, I don't know if I'm a Christian. I don't know if I'm saved. But would you pray for me that my sins would be forgiven and that I could be born again and become a Christian? If that's you, would you just slip your hand up so I can see? Well, pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I want to live for you. I want to live the Christian life. Jesus, I ask you to forgive my sins. Cleanse my heart. Fill me with your spirit. Give me understanding of the Christian life. I want to live for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Who knows what God has for you, right? Who knows? Eye is not seen, ear is not heard, nor has entered the heart of man that which God has prepared for those who love Him. Amen? Father, thank You for Your God-inspired dream for each and every one of our lives, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.